Welcome to Written Butterfly, the podcast. I'm Beth D. Carter. Today, I have interviewed Leah Bronson, and we'll be talking about her new release, Shade Addiction. Because of the time difference between us, I'll be reading her answers in ex- excerpt, and you can check out her whole interview on my blog tomorrow on Saturday. You know, I really thought the apocalypse would have more zombies. My heart hurts for all of us affected, and I really hope y'all are keeping safe. Shade Addiction is a dark erotic romance available now at all major ebook retail sellers. Leia likes her reads hot, fast, and edgy, and strives to give her own stories the same intensity. After a deep dive on the unforgiving world of gangsters with her debut novel, Wild Hearted, she divides her writing time between romantic suspension, dark erotic romances, and crime thrillers. You can find her on Facebook, Twitter, BookBub, Instagram, and Goodreads. So my first question to Leah was, what made this story special to you? She replied, I wrote Shade Addiction in a difficult time while one of my best author friends and supporters, Doris O'Connor, was undergoing cancer treatment. As her condition worsened, a group of friends decided to put together an anthology with all proceeds from the sales going to her family. Shade Addiction became my contribution. A year later, I'm re-releasing an expanded edition, and even though it's a standalone title with a new cover, it will forever remind me of my dear friend we lost much too early. What do you think is your strongest asset as a writer? What is your weakest factor as a writer? I think my strongest asset is my 20-something career as a secretary, which helps immensely when it comes to paying attention to syntax and grammar. Over the years, I've developed a habit of constantly looking for better ways to say to saying things, and so I edit more than I write, which leads me to my weakest factor, my handicap. English is not my native language, so I have to look up every word and idiom to make sure my manuscripts are somewhat readable. Thus, my writing process can take ages, and when I'm finally ready to hit the send button, I have terrible panic attacks. Do you write in a linear fashion, or do you do... Do you jump from scene to scene and then go back and fill in the blanks? I most definitely jump. It's like doing a puzzle with each piece of a chapter or a scene. I often start with the edges, a.k.a. the structure, add key pieces here and there in the middle, and then go back and forth, filling in and tying the different parts together. The process is chaotic and exhausting, but that's the way I roll. What are your upcoming projects? I always have many stories in the works, too many actually, because it takes years to finish them. And in the meantime, new ideas pop into my mind and I just have to write and publish these before the ones that are waiting. My current project is a gay romance taking place in Norway at the end of World War II between a young Norwegian prisoner and the commander of the local Gestapo Bureau. We know what the Nazis thought of homosexuality, so you may ask if this is a likely romance worth developing. I'll leave it up to the readers to judge. What matters today is that my two very real and strong-willed characters insist that I put their abundance of feelings and desires onto paper, and I must oblige. And now an excerpt from Shade Addiction. She gives me a long, languorous look. I think I know what it means. She's interested in my wild side. Dark attracts dark. She believes she's found the same kind of fallen angel that she is. A soulmate. Wrong, kiddo. What you need is someone good, not broken like me. She reaches over the table to pat my chest. So hard. Jesus, you definitely work out. 
Her touch sends electric sparks to my groin. My cock pulses. I push her hand away. Don't do that. Why? It's inappropriate. Why? I sigh. I'm 32. You're what? 19. 19. That's very young. I could easily be accused of taking advantage of you. Did you see how the waitress treated me? She crosses her arms underneath her boobs. But I'm an adult, and I have boyfriends. You have boyfriends? Yeah. Like many? Yeah. She holds my gaze. I don't know why I had to make a deal of that. She continues. So it's not like I let anybody touch me if I didn't want them to. Well, I don't want you to touch me. Let's go. And that, my friends, is my entire interview from Leah Bronson talking about her new book, Shade Addiction. You can find the entire interview on my blog site tomorrow, Written Butterfly. Ex-boxer Mike Logan struggles to put a brutal past behind and make ends meet as a bus driver. When a young runaway settles for an all-night ride, he seizes the chance to do a good deed, get her home safely. But first, they'll drive around and talk. What he doesn't anticipate is that this broken night angel is also a sexy little minx needing a lot more, and not just the gentle kind. Thank you so much for visiting Written Butterfly, the podcast. I hope to bring you more interviews soon. Everyone, you take care in this apocalypse that we're sharing together. Have a good day. Hello, welcome to Written Butterfly. I have interviewed Katherine Wyburn, and I am so excited to have her on my podcast today. She is an award-winning author, Best Transgender Romance for her book, Amused to Live For, Best Transgender Romance Tie with Amused to Live For, Spice and Vanilla. She is a phenomenal writer, and she has a new book out, and I'm so excited to share it with you today. So over two years ago, Catherine made a drawing of her favorite model as an antlered forest god. It sat quietly in her album for almost 12 months, but it kept pushing invisible roots all over her soul until suddenly last year, a story began to write itself, The Elder Man. It was light and sexy and full of humor, poking fun at city people, baffled by the countryside, is her revenge for how befuddling the city is to her. She soon became aware that there was more to it than met the eye. In fact, it became a tapestry of all the things she loves most in her life. Her barely tamed garden in her woods, her animals, her sculpting, her natural building, her simple off-the-grid lifestyle, and the beauty and antiquity of the region in southwest France where she has been living for almost 10 years. She wanted to give a face to the bone-deep magic that she could see and feel in all of this. And her forgotten but still powerful forest god in the form that she chose to express this wonderful healing and grounding of her life. Or maybe did he choose her and did his own thing? Her characters are notoriously tend to do that. So she did a number of illustrations at different times for this story. And she's delighted that it found its way to the cover of the book. Thanks to Jay Heard here. Jaya here, which is the cover artist for Evernight Publishing. You can actually see them on her blog, 
katherinewyburn.blogspot.com. So you, if you go there, you can see her drawing. So my first question for her was, please tell us about the book. If this is your chance to make it, what was so special about you? And she says that this book was special for her for two reasons. One, that it's very close to her life. It's very autobi autobiographical. The world where the main character lives, in, lives his off-the-grid property in southwest France, is very much like her own, but written bigger. He is also a natural builder, like she is, and who is able to pour a lot of personal experiences in his work and his art in his day-to-day -day life. It was like writing herself. If she were male and a god and a mortal, she'd be this. The other special thing for her about this book was that all books she wrote were wrote since 2017 were very angsty with very broken, conflicted characters facing lots of personal drama. But for creative and personal reasons, she needed to write a grounding, healing story. And this is exactly what this book is. It deals with grief and loss and drama, but the focus is on the healing, not the pain. I asked her if this book was a series, and she said, no, The Elder Man is a standalone. I asked her what the hardest or easiest scene to write of this book was, and she said the easiest scenes and funniest were the scenes where Armin, who is very much a city person, finds himself confronted with the oddities of off-the-grid life. His first walk to the outhouse on a toad-strewn path wrote itself, or his blood-curdling encounter with a vixen, an actual vixen, in the middle of the night. The hardest scene to write was one where Van's two secrets is revealed. No spoilers, but she want, wanted to give Van a lot of backstory and to do without weighing it down, the narrative too much, she introduced a third point of view, Allie's, an old friend. She wanted to add another, other, older threads to the plot and an outside perspective on Van and make it more textured tapestry. This is a little experimental in the genre, but I hope it works. What type of research did you do for your books? She said, mostly folklore and mythology. Once Serunamos, I'm probably saying that really wrong, the ancient Celtic god of the forest became part of the story. She became fascinated with how many different horned gods exist in Indo-European cultures and wanted to make this also part of that picture. It seemed to me that perhaps all these horned gods are faces of one god, that he may have been in lots of different places at different times. This too became part of Van's backstory, although it is only hinted at. Do you have a writing quirk or habit when you write? She said she tends to rehearse dialogues a lot. She writes very literally, lyrical pose, but she likes her dialogues to be snappy and lively. So she talks them out in voices, either out loud, muttering to herself while she's doing garden work or taking long walks, or she is Italian, hands are involved. All of this tends to upset the husband a little when he's not forewarned, but hey, a writer's got to do what a writer's got to do. What do you think is your strongest asset as a writer? What is your weakest facet as a writer? She said all of her books have some autobiographical element, some more, some less. This makes it for very detailed world building, usually. It is both an asset and a weakness because the things that interest her are usually too odd for lots of readers. So it makes for a somewhat love or hate reaction. I asked her if she had a favorite book that she's written. 
And she said, amused to live for, definitely. Although it is not autobiographical in the plot, the main character, a Victorian painter, is very much her alter ego. She poured her love, heart, and soul in that story. The elder man is a close second. I asked if she wrote in a linear fashion, or do you jump from scene to scene and then go back and fill in the blanks? She said, oh, I jump, I jump, I jump so much. I usually write about half of each book in a sort of stream of consciousness fashion, just seeing what's going to happen, often just following the beauty of language a certain set of certain sentences and images. She is surprised, as anybody else, by what her characters will come up with at that stage, and many of the best scenes usually get written with no plot, plan or pot, sorry, those scenes get written with no plan or plot in mind. And after she's left with this fantastical, interesting puzzle, and I, she has to figure out how to put it all together. I asked, do you want each book to stand on its own, or is she trying to build a body of work within the connections each, of each book? She says a bit of both. Some of my books are interconnected. Some are standalones. The only thing that they all have in common across all, all subgenres is that they are set in Europe or alternate versions of Europe. I love this old continent like my skin. What are your upcoming projects? Catherine said, there are a few stories I'd love to write, in particular, The Storm's Daughter, which would be the book in between my, her two fantasy novels, Spell Breakers and In the Eye of the Wind. It will be a high fantasy with wars and magicians and dragons and great deeds, and her antlered god might put in a little cameo appearance. But for the moment, this story still needs to simmer in her brain for a while. The Elder Man Blurb Uncovering and divulging an outlandish conspiracy will put a hard bump into any journalist's career, and Armin can only blame himself when he's dispatched from Frankfurt's skyscrapers into the depths of rural France on the unglamorous job of writing about a cobbing workshop. Natural building is messy, dirty, and sweaty work, but it has its constellations. For example, Van, the graying but undeniably hot master cobbler, teaching the workshop. Sure, the man is a hopeless tree hugger with embarrassing notions about ancient folk folklore and religions, but he's still worth a week-long fling, right? When Van is revealed in all his majesty and power as a long-forgotten forest god, however, the week-long fling might well become entangled with eternity on the edge between life, death, madness, and immortality. And now the official teaser. Warning, this has some graphic sex in it. Armin started undressing there and then and pulling at Van's clothes. Um, I, can I brush my teeth at least, asked Van, laughing. Nope. Van found himself dragged bodily toward the bedroom. He was still wearing his jeans, which were unbuttoned and sliding down to his knees. He couldn't stop laughing. Okay, okay, I'm right here, he said in between kisses. He tried to either shed his trousers or hold them up so as not to fall flat on his face on the hard stone steps, but he didn't manage to do either because Armin was all over him like an octopus. They finally stumbled up the corridor and through the bedroom door and into the bed, and Van found himself pinned down with his ankles tangled in his jeans and Armin's hand in his crotch inside his boxes and his head lodged awkwardly between two pillows. Look, honey, he said, I'm all yours, but I need to let me... He withered about under Armin's panting body and finally managed to kick off those damn trousers and then get rid of his underwear. Shit, things were easier when there was nothing but a loincloth and a bit of paint. 
Armin sank his face into his neck laughing. You say those stupid things all the time, like you're 20,000 years old or something. Mm, well, give or take. Shut up, said Armin, kissing him deep and log, rubbing the front of his body on bands. Armin was buck naked and red, already hard and ready. Goodness me, what have I done to this young man, he thought. Van had a passing recollection of the day Armin had arrived, so downcast and subdued and almost paralyzed with shyness. He smiled in the dark and arched to meet Armin's body, feel his cock on his own. Van knew that if he got another rough ride like yesterday, he'd need painkillers to get through the next day. He was on fire to love Armin again and share everything, every ounce of flesh to the bone, and if it had not been a workshop week, he'd have let himself be fucked blind again and spend the day in bed tomorrow, come hell or high water. But with the last day of the workshop looming, he thought his eager young buck needed to be steered in a different direction. Hell, am I really growing old, he thought. He didn't feel old, least of all with Armin's quick young body in his arms, but perhaps he was not quite as supple as he used to be. That's the trouble with middle-aged human body. Damn it, this mortal flesh. Would you let me, he whispered in brief bursts between hungry kisses, and he ran a finger deep in the crack of Armin's butt. The young man arched into his arms, his back quivering. Yes, he said, half word, half breath, before pushing in his tongue into Van's ear, as if words were not enough to express his longing. You can seat yourself if you like, Van whispered, lying down flat on his back, inviting Armin to straddle his body. Oh, I like, I like a lot, whispered the young man, smiling and palming Van's cock to gauge his, his erection. Armin. He was quite happy to fuck or be fucked, but he never done both with the same man. He was amazed and enchanted and almost a little humbled. Jonas had been an absolute bottom, and it was at least two years since Armin had had anything in his ass not made of steel or silicone. He fumbled around, switched on a bedside light, and opened the little surprising drawer again. He rolled a condom down Van's cock and slathered it with lube. Armin kissed him and stroked Van hard again, and lowered himself by degrees onto his lap, moaning softly as that warm, slippery living glands parted his ring by degrees, and then slithered inside his body, such an intimate intrusion that, was almost w that he almost wept with emotion. It was so easy to fuck and be fucked that one could easily forget what an incredible disclosure of love and trust could be. He took a long breath, and another, pleasure and pain and emotion, clashing for an almost unbearable minute. Then the pleasure washed over him in mounting waves at, at very every careful deepening thrust as he filled himself with Van's length and his own cock grew stiffer and bounced softly on Van's stomach. After the crazy hurry and urgency of just a few minutes earlier, he had to pace himself, give his ass time to adjust around the girth of Van's cock, and move slowly but with infinite tenderness for himself and for Van. It was really really difficult. Van seemed quite happy, though. Oh, honey, he said dreamily. He lay quite flat on his arms above his head, a lazy smile on his lips. He was not so much fucking him as letting Armin take his own pleasure out of him, offering himself to Armin's needs. Armin wondered if he would always so, not submissive exactly, but giving. He went a little crazy inside as he worked his ass in waves and tight circles on Van's hard cock, rooted onto his body, spread wide and full inside and hard in front, all at the same time. It was so much pleasure all at once, almost too much, 
and yet still not enough. He wanted to say something absurd like, take me hard, please yourself, fuck me like a whore. But he had never gotten the hang of delivering dirty talk with any panache, and the mere thought made him laugh a little. Van stirred and smiled tenderly, caressing his thigh and gently digging his thumb at the base of his cock, kneading so that Armin's erection stiffened and rose a little higher. What's funny, he asked softly. Nothing, said Armin, but he was still smiling, delirious with happiness. Thank you for stopping by and listening to my interview with Catherine Wyvern. You can find her on Facebook, the Ross and Wyvern Notorious Book Club. You can find her on Twitter, at Catherine Wyvern. You can also find her on Instagram. Have a wonderful day. Stay safe out there. And hopefully, when this is all passed, we'll have more interviews coming. <laughs>